You can't just Google blank job description and use the skills and requirements that pop up when you do that. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch. And we are on episode four of a five-episode series all about a crash course on hiring and sharing some of the, the, the trade secrets of us recruiters and those of us who do hiring for a living. And so today I am talking about how you need to identify what great looks like so you know when you see it or who to look for. And that's really the next step in the process. Once you've already, so last episode, you defined what things, deliverables, objectives, whatever you want to call it, you went through and defined what you want this new hire to accomplish in their first, you know, six months to a year. Now you have to do the work in identifying what evidence is this person going to have to share with you? What experience, what expertise, what soft skills are are going to show, or I guess are needed first to be successful in the role. And that's all kind of like evidence, right? Like what things do they need to have or have done in order to be able to execute those deliverables, those objectives that you know you need to have in your business. So Before you start reaching out to your networks, write the job posting, or pay any amount of money to sponsor it, make sure you take a couple couple hours, an hour even, let's say, getting clear on what you're going to look for in the interview process to indicate that they're going to be able to do the job well and be successful in your business. So you're going to go back and look at those things. And for each of the outcomes that you you created, you're going to list, I don't know, a handful, right? You don't have to go crazy and do like 10 to 20 different things that they're going to need to be able to prove. But let's call it, if, if you're a numbers person, let's say you want three to five for every outcome, right? And you're going to want to think about your unique business. So not only, and and I think that will inevitably come because you've created outcomes specific to your business, but I want to like hammer that home that when you're thinking about these things, you need to look at your unique business, the stage that you're at, the team dynamics, your goals for next year, the industry that you're in. You can't just Google blank job description and use the skills and requirements that pop up when you do that. And here's why. I'm actually going to I'm actually going to use some real life client examples for you for a search for a client that I'm actually doing right now. Um they've hired us to fill, well they've hired us to fill a lot of different jobs. Um but currently we are filling two graphic designer roles for and they're they're a product brand in the beauty textile space. And I'll actually just tell you their name because I'm sure she won't care. Um, It's Discover Night, a really cool brand um, that has sleep or um, silk pillowcases and a bunch of stuff. Um, And their CEO is amazing and their products are awesome. So I have no problem shouting them out. Um, So we're working with them. They're one of our clients. And I'm also shouting them out because we're going to be hiring at least, I don't know, probably 10 more jobs for them this year. So 
check them out if you're listening to this. They're they're a really amazing brand and an amazing company, and their CEO is a boss. So there is a shameless plug. You can see their job openings on their website, I believe. We finally got a careers page up there, or on ours, peopleprincipal.com or peopleprinciples.co forward slash jobs. You can see all of them there. Anyways, that's my shameless plug. Let that be a lesson to you. Talk about your jobs everywhere. Anyways, so we are looking for a designer who, so we, we've, we're looking for a designer who's worked at a growing startup. They, they're a startup, essentially. They've been in business, I think, for like eight years, but they're still very much scaling and growing quickly. Um, and the situation is that there isn't a full-time designer right now. So this person needs to be able, or these people need to be able to work on a variety of, of different types of, of assets, I guess, mediums. Um, so they have to be able to do packaging, digital, all of that stuff. And they have to be able to either set up a project management system or clean one up. You know, there hasn't been somebody in this full-time seat for a while, which means there's probably a little bit of chaos going on right now. Um, and, you know, because it is such a small company growing so fast, they have to help create processes to streamline the efficiency with the team and, and, and be able to execute really quick turnarounds. Um, and there's this handful of stakeholders that they'll need to collaborate with and get approval from. So all of this stuff, I'm just kind of setting the stage of what it's like specifically at this company, right? And that we've identified by working with them. Um, there's a set brand, um, and their CEO, you know, really wants someone who is creative and can bring new innovative ideas to the table as the brand continues to grow, create new product categories and offerings and, and all of that stuff as they're added to the mix. Right. So that is really kind of this, the, the stage in which they're at. There's some other stuff that I, I don't know that I want to completely go into in terms of revenue and all of that stuff, but that's all information that we know, and it sets the stage for the type of of role and company and position that this per these people are going to be walking into. And so now, if you think about it, let's take a let let's think about a graphic designer who is going into maybe more of an established company like a Nestle or pretty large brand. Um, I'll go on the record as saying I know nothing about Nestle's creative process um, or a lot of those bigger brands, but well, I shouldn't say I know nothing about <laughs> how they work. I don't know anything specific to them. Um, but I would be willing to bet that a graphic designer being hired there is going to be joining a, a fairly large creative team that has at least 10 people already on it, right? So they've also been in business for quite some time. So I would imagine they have a pretty tried and true process for receiving requests and approving them. Um, the role likely is only like working in one product category or medium. I guess I don't know what creatives call it, but I'm going to say medium, right? So like maybe, you know, I would imagine at a larger company like that, that there's a graphic designer just for packaging. There's a graphic designer just for ads. There's a graphic designer just for email, right? Probably, and there's probably high volume of projects that come through, but it's very like niche specific. Um, and the role likely delivers their work to an immediate supervisor on the creative team versus stakeholders directly, right? They probably don't have to 
to talk through, explain their work, come up with cre- as creative ideas. The brands, the brands that they're working on aren't really changing that much unless there's a big brand redesign where, you know, at a company like Discover Night, there may be some brand changes here and there, not specifically related to a huge brand redesign. It's just like a different, a different stage of company. Um, at a company, you know, that large, like say Nestle or, or something similar, there's probably some pretty strict and detailed brand guidelines that are written out and, and you have some pretty, they, they would have some pretty strict guardrails that their designs need to fall into. So you can see, and hopefully by me going over both of those, you see, do you see how somebody's skills and experience needs to be different for, for each of those types of companies I just described? At night, you know, some evidence of success would be that the person is able to provide examples of how they set up a design request process from scratch in a scrappy environment and manage the process um, in a tool, you know, like Asana or Monday.com or something similar, where, you know, at, at a more established company, evidence might be, you know, you've been able to manage high volumes of projects in in a project management tool, um, but not, I guess the difference would be like, you didn't, you haven't had a it wouldn't really be important that they've set it up from scratch going there because they're not going to have to do that where it's important that they have done that for going into a company that's a little bit um, less established, right? Um, because the role at night is working on a variety of different types of, of, of design requests, you know, they should have a portfolio that highlights experience in packaging design, you know, retail requirements like displays, end caps, things like that. And then also some digital assets like social media, paid ads, email, all of those. And then they can also share times they had to work directly with shareholders to redesign assets or work through things um, where those things may not be as important if you're going to work at an established company. You know, there's other things that are important when you go and work there. So hopefully that makes sense and how they're different, right? You can't just Google a job description and be like, okay, whatever they're requiring, we have to require. Um, you really have to think about what is what are they stepping into at your company? How does how is it applicable to the job, and what's going to make them successful? So taking some time to think about that is critical so that you know what you're looking for. And so another note that, or I guess a note I'm going to say that I didn't bring up is years of experience right? You notice I didn't bring that up at all. I didn't say must have three years of experience, must have a degree, you know, those things. Um, I would say specifically around the years of experience, in my opinion, there's a variety of reasons why, or maybe two major reasons why that matters, right? So oftentimes, you'll see jobs are like, will list, you must have 10 years of experience. And they list it because they assume if somebody has worked in a, in a job or a, a type of a role for that amount of time, that they will have experienced some of the things that they're going to experience at their company. Meaning, let's say you're hiring a marketing director. You'll often see, must have 10, over 10 years of experience. And what they're often trying to to solve for by posting that is if it's a larger company, 
a lot of times they create salary bands based on years of experience. So if they want to hire a director level role, that person should have that amount of experience to fit in the salary band, which I find to be the stupidest thing ever. We live in a world where you can literally become a master at something so much more quickly than before, um, where years of experience does not necessarily mean the person is more skilled or qualified, in my humble opinion. Um, and then piggybacking up the last point, it's it's often thought that if someone has that many years of experience that they've definitely led a team or a group of people or that they're good at it. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. I've been burned by this so many times that just because somebody has a title that has a manager in it or even a director in it or they have over 15 years of experience in the same area of work does not mean that they have led a team, had ownership over an area, or are even freaking good at it. So don't let years of experience be this thing that you require. I I can see, I can actually, where I see that becoming more applicable, to be honest, is for more of the entry-level jobs. So like if, you know, you want somebody who has a little bit of work experience, has done, is, is a little bit more independent than a total recent grad, I can see saying at least two years of experience. Um, but I don't think it really becomes relevant once you get past, like, even an established professional. I do think there is something to be said about somebody who has five years of work experience, just in general. I'm kind of using numbers here, but if you have five years of work experience, you kind of usually are a little bit more self-sufficient. You kind of know, know what's needed in, in, in the industries or the role that you're in. It doesn't mean you shouldn't ask about those things, but I'm just saying I can see where, that tends to be helpful, but anything more than that really is not as helpful, to be honest, as, as you think. And quite honestly, there might be a somebody who's led a team with only five years of experience who's a much better leader for your marketing director role than somebody with 10 to 15 because that years of experience is in no way an indicator of being a good manager. So let's let's kind of keep rolling with this, right? Like, so let's say you're hiring a marketing director and they are going to directly manage four people and you likely will need to have them hire a few more people this year, right? So like, let's say they're hiring two people. So instead of saying 10 plus years of experience to be evidence that they can lead and build a team, you would want to say the following, you know, they have examples of times that they've made difficult people decisions. They can provide examples when they have identified gaps in their teams and made key hires as a result. They have examples of times when they've coached and developed someone on their team who ended up getting promoted or, or something like that or grew. See, those are actual, that's evidence of being able to be a good leader, not 10 years of work experience. So I guess I would just say like, if you think somebody has to have 10 years of experience to do the job you're recruiting for, why is that? Like do the work of being like, okay, well, why? What does somebody who has that much experience have? What skills have they learned? You know, wh why is that the case? And make that be the evidence. And you don't even have to put 10 years of work experience on the job posting. And we're going to talk about that in another episode. But um, that is is really like how you look at evidence. So Hopefully you get it and see how this is different. And these things are going to change from role to role, but you only, so, so there's that. So, so you're going to want to create, you know, identify what the evidence is and, and all of that stuff of the outcomes you want them to do for that specific role. 
And then, um, then you're going to also want to make sure that you've done the same, but for your core values. And this is where it's a little bit nice because you'll create the core values one once and you won't really have to do it again, right? Because the core values area is going to be the exact same for all of the rules that you hire. So you'll do the same approach as you did. Um, and you're going to create, you're going to figure out, okay, what, look at your core values and how will I know that this person has this? And I wish I had some, some like all of the, the answers to that, but everyone's values are so different. So you're going to want to spend some time soul searching, figuring out what those values are of your business. And then think about the best people on your team. How do those values show up? How do you see that in them? And then that can be ways that you identify it in the interview process. And this might take a bit of refining as your business and team evolves, but thinking about this intentionally is going to have you start to build your culture intentionally. So take a few minutes to do that um, for your core values, and then that'll get plugged into the interview process for all of your roles, not just, you know, a handful. So then the final step here is to take the, uh, the ideal candidate profile or, or description that you just created and create a hiring plan with interview questions that will help you assess everything properly. I know, I know, I know I'm giving you a lot, but I promise you, if you want to know the secrets, these are the fucking secrets. It's time and effort. It just takes time. I wish I could say it's simple and all you have to do is put in these sneaky things in the application process and have these automated filters set up. Like it doesn't work that way. I'm really sorry. So here are the secrets and here's how you do it well. So let's say that you have three to five outcomes for the role and then two to three core values, right? That gives you about five to eight quote unquote categories or things that you're going to be assessing throughout the interview process. So ideally, You'll do at least two interviews, but I would say more, no more than five interviews with a candidate. Five gets to be a bit much. Um, and you're going to decide on what you're going to ask and assess during each interview. What's the goal of the interview? What are you looking to get out of it? When are you going, what outcomes and core values are you going to ask about in every interview so that you make sure you've asked about it? If you, I, I highly recommend like put mission critical things first in the first or second interview, right? And then the nice to haves towards the end. Um, but things that are deal breakers, put them up front so that you are getting those out of the way right away. And if you're a solopreneur or a very small business, you might just meet with candidates twice. You know, you personally may meet them one, like two times. But if you have a larger team, you may, you might meet with them twice and then have you, members of your team and some of your managers um, or the team meet with them. And this is good practice in general for building buy-in from your team. Um, you know, it will help your team be excited about the hire. It will help the new hire with their onboarding process because they're going to go in already kind of knowing someone and have, you know, some buy-in of from your team members who are like, yeah, I met with this person. I'm excited for them to join. I'm going to see that they're successful, right? And also A players want to meet with some of the people they're going to work with before deciding to take a job. Remember, you're assessing you or they're assessing you as much as you're assessing them. So 
they may want to meet some of the other people on the team to help them decide if they that's who they want to spend their life with, right? So don't just rule that out because you don't feel like it matters. It might it probably matters to the candidate. So again, you're trying to weave and think about the candidate experience just as much as your experience and your assessments. So think about what that hiring plan is, right? Who do you want to have included in it? What do you want to have assessed at different steps? And then the most important thing, or I guess it's a critical thing, and the last thing is to create interview questions that you're going to ask every candidate. And you need to make sure that they are the same questions. I have a prior episode all about how to interview to get the results you want. Go back and listen to that episode because I give a deep dive into actual tactical strategies for interviewing. And But, but what I'm going to say in this episode is that what we're doing with this process of creating a hiring plan and developing the interview questions that you are going to ask, and you're going to make sure you're asking the same questions to each candidate, is you're creating a structured hiring plan so that it helps to reduce bias that pops up and it inevitably will. It just does. We all have bias. And in that episode, either that episode or an, a, one prior, I think I have an interview bi- bias in, um, episode as well. I talk about the different biases that pop up in interviewing. Um, and and it, there, there, there's, there's the obvious ones, right? Oh, I shouldn't say obvious ones, but the ones that you probably think of the most, right? Where discrimination, gender, those things but then there's more nuanced ones that you don't even realize are popping up. And those are the ones that I feel like people just don't even, well, I shouldn't, I feel like I know people don't realize they have, and they don't realize that you could be the the least biased person available and be so open and welcoming and understand that diversity inclusion is a thing and be on board with that and still have bias because these other types of bias pop in and having a structured hiring plan with set interview questions is going to reduce that. The bias still pops up for me and I've been doing this for 15 years, but thankfully I follow my own advice and I have structured interview processes built out before I start meeting with people so that I get called out on it. My biggest vice and the one that I am the most, like I fall victim to is when I meet someone that I want to be friends with, I tend to assume they're going to be really good at the job. So I overinflate their abilities because I like them. That is, and, and if I didn't have these things set up and these guardrails set up and other people set up to meet with people after I do, we wouldn't catch them, but we do. And we just did in the search that I've done. So, you know, heed this advice that you are not exempt from this. Um, so create your interview plan set up the interview questions. Now you're not going to be a robot, right? Like it's going to be a slightly different interview and a slightly different conversation for each person because they're, they're a different person with different experiences. But if you make sure that you're asking the same questions, it helps significantly. So after all of that, you're ready to go back and create your ideal candidate profile along with your interview, your interview plan to identify them. So that's really what you're going to do. You're going to create what good looks like. So what type of experience, expertise, core, you know, all of those things do they need to have in order to hit those objectives that you created in the last episode? What inter- What is your hiring plan going to look like? What are the goals of the interview? Who's going to participate? And what are you going to ask? Tomorrow's final episode of the series is creating your search like a pro. I'm going to give you 
literally the tools, the tips, the strategy that what us, like what we do as recruiters to fill jobs, I'm going to divulge it all to you. So I'm going to show, teach you how to go out and find the right candidates instead of waiting back and hoping they happen to find you. So make sure you tune in for tomorrow's episode. It's going to be a good one. And remember next week, first week of March in 2023, I'm doing a live masterclass digging into even more of this stuff. So make sure you're signed up at joinhiringschool.com. Replays can also be found there too if you missed it. Thanks for tuning in. And tomorrow we're talking about how to create your search strategy like a pro. If you're over there wondering, oh shit, I don't know where to start with building a team or how to hire. I've got you covered. I created a course specifically so you can learn everything I've learned and continue to invest time in improving about setting up your hiring machine. You can enroll and start today at hiringschool.com. P.S. This is the process leading startups are using to scale their teams and we're teaching it to you.